Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Who's ready to get into the Word today? Oh, I like it. Hey, it's raining outside. It's a little cold, chilly, but you guys are warm in here. I like it. I like it. Hey, uh, we are in part three of the deep, uh, and so we've got a lot of passages today, and I'm going to reference them, and they won't make it on the screen because we're going to go quick. Uh, but if you bust open your phone, you go to the Version Bible app. Uh, you will have all the passages right there in the live event ready to go. No flipping, scrolling to find the Bible verse. It also has links to uh, our website. It's got Bible reading plans based off of the message. It's a really a great resource there to go to the live event. Uh, but in this series, we're looking at going deeper with Jesus. And the way we want to frame our conversation is Jesus is like the ocean. And so if you were to take a baby and to put them on the shore and they get their little toes in the water, they get wet, they're experiencing the ocean. Uh, you could be a teenager, right? You can be out in the waves trying to jump through the waves, right, having a good time. A little further out in the water, but they are still experiencing the ocean. You could be a scuba diver and you could be out much further and go much deeper and they are experiencing the ocean. And you can't uh, devalue any of these experiences. Those are all accurate. Those are all true. But how the diver describes the ocean is going to be completely different than how the teenager or the baby on the shore would. Neither of them is wrong. The ocean is just so big and so vast, they're experiencing different parts of it. And Jesus is like the ocean. He is so big and so vast that we all experience him in ways uh, that no other people might not have, right? He, he's so big, we can't comprehend all of him. We're not going to have the same experience as everybody else. Unfortunately, many people miss out on experiencing Jesus at a deep level because they'd rather play it safe on the shore. To just get their toes wet on the beach. Well, that's a part of it, don't get me wrong. Don't settle for that sliver of what God has for you uh, in Jesus. Uh, there are these people, uh, and I, maybe you're one of these people, I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade, but maybe you've seen them when you go to the beach or maybe you've heard about people who they could spend a week at the beach and what they want to do is they want to read a book in front of the water, all right. Now my, I'm, my wife, she's a big reader, all right. She'll sit, sit there, she'll read a book on the beach, but she's going to get into the water. I'm all for relaxing as much as the next guy and there's a time to chill on the beach. But if you go all the way to the water and the water is right there, you got to get into the water, right? You can't just stay there on the beach. You can't just look at it. Hey, that's nice. That's good. You can't just be water adjacent. You got to get in the water and you got to experience it for yourself. Don't do the same thing with just don't being settled just being Jesus adjacent. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to do these things, but I'm not going to go into the deep. I'm just going to tip my toes into Jesus. You got to experience it for yourself. You got to dive deep. And here's the best part. You will never get to the bottom of Jesus. There is always more of him to be had. Here's our, our verse for the series. It's Isaiah 40, 28. It says, have you never heard, have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. We will never understand the depths of his understanding. 
We'll never understand who fully who God is. And just because I think some people hear that and they think, well, if I'll never reach the bottom, maybe I shouldn't just try. Just because we won't understand Jesus fully doesn't mean we shouldn't go as deep as we can. Because the deeper we go, the greater uh, love, the greater peace, the greater joy that's going to be inside of us. In this series, we've talked about going deep with God's grace. We've talked about going deep with prayer. And today we're going to be looking at surrender. Surrender is something that many of us, uh, we're just terrible at. Like, like myself included, we'd be like, you know what, I stink at surrendering. I know, I know that's me. Uh, we live in a world that is so result-oriented uh, that we can't, it's so result-driven, we can't fathom leaving anything up to chance. Right? Like, we're not going to just surrender. And most of us, when you hear the word surrender, we associate it uh, with weakness, right? We think surrender, we think the white flag, we think surrender is giving up. We think that surrender is the end. Like you don't surrender in a war until it's over and you're beat, right? That's when you wave the white flag. That's when you give up. When it comes to Jesus, when you surrender to him, that's not the end. No, no, no. When you surrender to Jesus, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So let's take a moment, let's get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us today. Let's put our arms out, palms up, let's close our eyes. That's a posture, just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today would you guide us closer to you. Help our minds to put away the frustrations of the past week. To put away the distractions of the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you were to listen to many psychologists today, uh, they would tell you that many of the issues in your life are rooted in something from your upbringing. Can I get an amen, all right? Anybody got some childhood trauma, right? That you're going to be carrying some childhood trauma, okay? Uh, and it's funny because that's, you know, it's so funny how, like, uh, psychology and sociology, it catches up to the Bible. In the Bible, you see how God works through families, how he's a God of generations. Uh, in my family, is something that I picked up with. All right. In my family, I remember this, and this, hey, this is low-level trauma, all right? This is, but this is something that I stuck with me. Obviously, I still remember it. I remember when my brother taught me what a trust fall is. Anybody remember doing this as a kid? Remember doing this? You'd yell, trust fall, and you just fall, and they have to catch you. You may remember, remember doing that? I mean, uh, anyways, it was like, it was probably like a one-day deal. I'm sure that the whole day we just were walking, it was like Christmas break or something, just trust fall, and we just fall, catch me. Uh, we've been doing it all day long. And I remember uh, we've been doing that and we go to Walmart with my mom. Yukon Walmart, uh, we are in the middle of the checkout aisle, like in the very middle of the store. We're checking out. Uh, and I say trust fall and I start to fall back. All day we had been catching each other. No one hit the ground. And when someone keeps catching you, it's easy to trust them. But this time... I made a bad decision. I say trust fall. My mom is helping, uh, my, I'm sorry, my brother is helping my mom unload the cart onto the belt. You know, this is way before self-checkout. Uh, and was way too far away from me to catch me. I slammed my head into the ground. And as much as my head hurt, and it did, what's the thing that was on my mind? 
I trusted you, right? I trusted you. I'm mad because I expected someone to catch me and they didn't. In this context, not a huge deal. That's kind of what brothers do. They beat up on each other, right? But I wonder how many of us here have some trust issues. We have some issues with surrendering because of the experiences you've had. Could be recent experiences, could be something from your childhood. It's a situation where someone, where you were hurt, and, and as much as you hurt, your first response wasn't that hurt. Your first response was, I trusted you. You trusted someone and they let you down. So when I say uh, surrender to Jesus, it feels to you like maybe that's just an invitation to be hurt. The trust in Jesus feels like a hard thing because of all the times that someone else has let you down. And please hear me on this. Jesus is always going to catch you. Jesus is always going to catch you. All right, I've got some guys here I'm looking forward. And I told them they would be there. And if, they don't, if they're not there, somebody's going to have to finish preaching this. But uh, Jesus is always going to catch you. All right. Yeah, let's give them a hand because that could have gone really bad if they didn't catch me, all right? Um, now, hey, that was really easy. Uh, I did that for a point. That was really easy for me to trust that there are several people right there uh, to catch me, right? They knew the plan, right? They knew the cue. We talked it through. We walked it through. We practiced like 30 minutes ago, right? But if I right now was to go trust fall and fall, my head is hitting that ground so hard. They can't get there that fast, right? They're not going to make it. I'd be hesitant to do that because I don't know if they will catch me. I don't know if I could count on them for that. Look, you can always count on Jesus. In the times where you can see how it's coming together, you can see how he's working, you can count on Jesus. In the times where you can't see how it's working, you can count on Jesus. And every time in between, you can always count on Jesus. And we want to be a body of believers. We want to be a church that is surrendered to Jesus. Now again, when I say uh, surrender, some of you type A personalities, uh, you hear the word quit, and quitting is not in your vocabulary. Uh, and that's true. Uh, when we surrender, we do quit. We don't quit trying. We quit trying to do things our way. We are surrendering to his ways. We are trusting that God's ways are better than ours. When we surrender to Jesus, we don't just sit still and say, God, we're waiting on you to do something Surrender, some people think it's just doing nothing, and that's not what it means in the Bible. When we surrender to Jesus, we're surrendering the outcomes, not the process. We're surrendering uh, what's going to come from this. We're going to trust God with the results, but we're going to keep doing things his way. All right, so I'm uh, saying, God, I trust you with the results. I'm going to be faithful in doing what you've called me to do. Let me give you an example. In John 15, Jesus talks about how he is the vine and we, as the believers, we are the branches. Verse 5 it says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Remain in him, he's going to remain in you, and then you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. If we remain in him, we will produce much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Later on in that passage, Jesus just straight up tells us, remain in me. When we talk about surrender, I think some people want to surrender uh, just how they want to do things. They want to do things their way. I think surrender is just to be still. Our job isn't to focus on producing fruit. I think that's what a lot of us do. We try to do actions so that we can get these results. Our job, we're speaking about believers, is to remain in him. We are to be the branch. The, the branch doesn't grow any fruit unless it's a part of the vine. We have to be connected to Jesus. We have to remain in him. And then we can expect God to produce fruit in our lives. That's what surrender looks like. It's not just sitting still and not doing anything. It's saying, God, I trust you. I trust your ways. I'm going to trust you more than I trust myself. And you are going to produce a fruit in my life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When we surrender to Jesus, it's really us declaring that we believe Jesus knows better than we do. And we need to surrender everything to God. Every aspect, every component of our life, we need to say, God, I want what you want for me. I want to do things in my life, in every area, the way that you want me to do it. Now, I know to surrender everything, that feels like a bit overwhelming, right? So we, I've reduced that. Now we've got five categories, five areas where uh, if you surrender these to God, I just think your life is going to look different. These aren't exhaustive. There could be more areas, but I think these are going to be some big parts of your life. Where if you'll do these, I think it's going to infect other areas. Uh, it's going to look more like what Jesus intended for it to look like. It's going to look more like living in the purpose that Jesus has for you. You need to surrender your finances. You need to surrender your prayers, your plans. You need to surrender control. And you need to surrender through service. Spend a little time just unpacking these. We're going to surrender our finances. Um, God has a way for you to honor him with your finances. He wants us to give. And, and this is one of the only areas where God plainly tells us in Scripture, he says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Malachi 3.10 says it this way. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The word tithe, it literally translates as a tenth. So to translate that passage literally, it would be bring all the tents into the storehouse. It says he will pour a blessing, pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room for it. Notice it doesn't say money so great. It says a blessing so great. When you walk in obedience to what God has called you to do, blessings follow. All right, that doesn't mean we just, we get what we want because we do things God's way. No, God produces fruit in us, and he blesses our obedience. And it finishes that verse by saying, put me to the test. I, I just want to speak from, per, I've experienced this, I know many others have. When you give God the first 10, the first 10% of your income, the 90 goes that much farther. Like, I don't know, and I know the math doesn't make sense, <laughs> it doesn't. 
But when you give God his tithe, what's his, that 90 left over stretches way more than the full 100. Uh, again, I know mathematically that doesn't make sense, but I've just experienced this truth over and over in my life. God moves when you're obedient. I don't want you to think that I'm calling you to, to something that I'm not living out because I know you're thinking, hey, this is a pastor. He's talking about a church. He's saying you should give to the church. Uh, Kelsey and I, we, it's, our giving is automated. As soon as a paycheck hits our account, 10% automatically goes to the church. Like it is automated. That's what happens. And what you will find is that as you walk in obedience, as you do that, God is going to move in ways you never expected him to move. It's, it's, you cannot outgive God. You, you can't. There are, when you are obedient, he will move. This isn't a message about money. It's a message about surrender. But the truth is your money literally shows the things you value. What are you doing with it? Are you being generous? Are you surrendering your finances to God? You're doing what he's called you to do. Uh, Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Uh, this week, I, had, I just had two opportunities. Uh, this is like not normal, okay? This is God working. Right? I had two opportunities to bless a complete stranger. Uh, and neither was big, neither was life-changing. But I honestly had two opportunities where I just felt led uh, uh, by God to be a blessing to people God had put me in my path. Right? I'm, I'm just, can I tell you something you should do? If the person in front of you has their card decline at Dollar General, all right, and they got toilet paper in their bag, just buy, that, buy those people that toilet paper. They need it, right? That's the only reason you go to Dollar General if somebody needs it. They're in a hurry, right? If their card gets declined and they're in front of you and you've got the money to bless them, be a good steward of what you got, bless them. The generous will prosper. And nothing else may come of that, but that person got blessed by the obedience of someone doing what God called them to do. And as you refresh others, God will refresh you. You need to surrender your finances to God. Say, God, I trust you with my bank account. And I promise you, he's a better steward than you are. When you do things his way, things have a way of falling into place. Surrender your finances to God. The second thing I want you to surrender is uh, surrender your prayers. I know we spent a whole week talking about prayer. We're talking about uh, the types of prayers that we pray right now. God is not your slot machine. And when we come to God, we need to surrender our expectations. Just, God may or may not move in response to your prayers the way you'd like. We do not get to bend God's arm into submission to get what we want. That's not how this works. We bend to God's will. And surrendering your prayers means that even if your prayers aren't being answered the way you'd like them to, you trust God to say, God, this isn't what I wanted, but I trust that your ways are better than mine. You have better things in store. And we've got to believe that. You need to surrender your finances. You need to surrender your, your prayers. And then we need to surrender our plans. Surrender our plans. Uh, when I think about plans, right, and this is just, <laughs> this first thing that comes to mind is Mike Tyson. You guys know this quote? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Good Mike Tyson quote. Uh, super spiritual church we got going here. Uh, but anyway, hey, we all have plans for our lives. You guys all have plans for your lives. And I think if you were to stop and say, hey, if I look back at the plans I had for my life 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it may be, and you say, hey, 
those plans aren't what I thought. He had plans for your family, plans for your future. And somehow life has a way of punching us right in the face. And that hurts. It does. Here's what James has to say about plans. talking about surrendering the plans that we have. Chapter 4, 13, it says, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Anybody want to share their five-year plan right now? <laughs> yeah. Our life is like a vapor. We don't know what today or tomorrow may bring. Have plans, have aspirations, uh, work at them, but always hold your plans with an open hand. If it, our life is like a vapor, it's going to be here for a little while and then it's gone. Those plans are going to come and they're going to go. There's going to be things that you thought were this way and you just get turned around and they're going this way. Although those plans may come and go, Jesus never leaves us. He's always right there with you. Surrender your plans to him. Hold them with an open hand. Give God room to move, to shift your direction. Trust that when the plan uh, seemingly changes in your life, that Jesus has got this under control. He's not overwhelmed by it. He's not surprised by it. He knew it was coming and he's got everything going the way it needs to be. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Uh, the latter part is dependent on the former, right? Your plans will succeed if you commit your actions to the Lord. Commit to doing what God has called you to do and the plans will succeed. If I could just let you in on a little secret here. If you're doing what God has called you to do, uh, those are his plans, not yours. And his plans never fail. They always work exactly the way he intended. Surrender your plans. And the last one I want to talk about is we, we surrender through uh, service. Uh, we surrender through service. We surrender to God by serving. And this can happen uh, informally by being available to the people around you. Uh, we call those people your neighbor, neighbors, right, the people around you. You can serve a little bit more uh, formally by serving at the church, right. I think this is one of the best ways to surrender because it literally forces us to focus on others, right, to not focus on us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, each Sunday, I was looking at this, uh, to make this happen right here, it takes about 22 serve team members uh, every single week to make things happen, right? That's from uh, people putting, uh, can I just be real? Sometimes my kid, most of the time my kids are the one who put those connection cards in those seats, all right? From kids putting those connection cards in the seats uh, to making coffee to serving with the kids so we can enjoy service. Can I get an amen for those people? All right, yeah. Uh, to the worship team, to the tech team, to the ops guys who put up the chairs and all this pipe and drape and they unload the trailer and they empty it. Um, it takes 22 people. And the reason they serve isn't because they want to wake up early on a Sunday. And it isn't because they want to sweat and because they want to go out in the rain and, and unload a trailer in the rain and it's going to be cold soon. The reason you serve isn't for 
you, the reason you serve is for others. It's so more people can come to know Jesus. So more people can join the new family of Jesus. They, they can add to the family. When was the last time you surrendered to God through serving? Matthew 20, uh, 28 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus, he surrenders himself in service to God's mission. He, he surrenders himself. And I want you to think about this. His service came at a cost that not one of us will ever understand the depths of what Jesus surrendered. Jesus, he surrendered in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, a little context here before we read this last passage. Uh, Jesus is about to be arrested and then crucified. He withdraws from the crowd and he goes uh, to pray. It's Matthew 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. So they withdrew. He's got the 12 disciples and they all sit there. He's going to go over there to pray. And then he says, hey, inner circle, all right, the, the, the three guys that I've, I've poured into the most. He took Peter, James, and John. And Jesus, to Peter, James, John, to the people he trusts, to the people that he's closest with, says he became anguished and distressed. Jesus told them, people closest to him, he said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He, he went a little further, he walked away from him, he, he bowed his face to the ground praying. This is Jesus praying to God the Father. He says, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And Jesus is saying, if there's any other way than what's about to happen, can we try it that way? Then he finishes that verse and says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returns to his disciples, right? He returns to the, to the three and he, he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I want to pause for a second. Even one hour. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We don't know exactly how he, he phrased it. But that's kind of the summary there. He was praying that to God for an hour. He spent time surrendering to God. He said, can't you stay awake with me even now? He says, keep watching, pray, so you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time, and he prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. He's saying, if there's no other way, I want to do it your way. I'll do this. Jesus surrendered his literal life on the cross. And he did it out of a submission, out of surrendering to the Father. He asked him, is there any other way? And yet, I want your will, God, not mine. And then he, Jesus, he prays again. He goes, I want your will be done. Jesus is praying for God's will to be done. And God's will in this moment 
is that Jesus would willingly give up his life. To be mocked, to be beaten, to be hung on a cross. And then Jesus, he knows that that's what's coming. That's why he's, that's why he's distressed. That's why he's in anguish. That's why he's in grief. That's what's going to come. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be hung to die on a cross. And God, I want your will to be done, not mine. And because of Jesus surrendering his life, we have salvation. We have eternal security. We have a relationship with God. And we have all of these things through the gift of Jesus because of what he's given us on the cross. He surrendered. And all we have to do to receive that is to give our hearts to Jesus, to put your faith and him. And once we bend the knee to King Jesus, everything changes. We were headed for destruction and now we have a future. We were dead, but now we are alive. We were enemies of God and now he calls us friend. All because we surrendered to him. And if he can do all of that for us by surrendering to the Father, he can handle the problems of your life. Don't carry the burdens. Don't carry the weight of the burdens of your life. Surrender them to Jesus. Throw them to his feet. We don't have to carry that on us. One last verse, and, uh, and I'll close. And I want this verse to be true for me, like just personally, and I want this verse to be true uh, for this church. It's Micah 7. Seven it says this, as for me, I will look to the Lord for help. I will wait confidently. I will look to the Lord for help. I'm not looking to my money. I'm not looking to strategies. I'm not looking to schemes. I'm not looking to people. I'm not looking to relationships. I'm looking to God for my help. I will wait confidently for God to save me. Confidently, I will wait. Not anxiously, not nervously, not strung out. It says, confidently, I will wait on God. And my God will certainly hear me. Well, what does it look like to surrender to God? We're looking to him for help. Waiting confidently for God to save us. Certain that he hears our cries. Uh, churches, they used to do a lot of big altar calls. Uh, some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never been in a church like that. I've got all different backgrounds here. Uh, and most of the time when they did uh, an altar call, they'd, they'd sing a song when people would walk down to the front to, to pray with somebody or uh, to make a decision. And uh, one of the just a very popular song that was used when they had these altar calls. It was, I surrender all. Uh, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a moment. I'm going to shoot my shot right here. I'm going to sing a few lines. If you know it, would you help me out? Because I ain't got a singing voice, right? All right. I surrender all. I surrender all. 
to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Hmm. I want you to sit with this question for just a moment. Have you surrendered all to Jesus? Have you surrendered everything? Or are there areas that you are keeping from him? It's hard to surrender when you think trusting someone else is going to make things worse. Things aren't going to get worse with Jesus. He's got this. Surrender everything over to him. Let's pray.